Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Secure the Insecure. This is the podcast where I say it's okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny Seifert and every week I'm joined by one very special guest. My guest today you will know is one of our leading celebrity doctors who sought the hospital wards for the Love Island Villa in 2018. Since leaving the villa, he's not stopped trying to help you and I with our mental health, which led to his position as the UK Youth Mental Health Ambassador within the Department of Education. A presenter and author, a podcaster, and someone who uses this platform on TikTok in particular to start conversations, it's with thanks to Glasses Direct in partnership with Transitions for setting up this interview. I'm delighted to welcome to Securing Scare, the doctor who knows how to have a better day because it is pouring outside today. It's Dr. Alex George. Hello, Alex. Hi, mate. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it is, is, uh, is not a nice day at all. It's, in terms of weather, it's not a better day, but still, still. Well, what makes a better day for you? What makes a better day? Um, I think, well, we, we just briefly mentioned before we, we started recording uh, about going out for a walk. I think the best start of the day for me is going out for a stomp. And uh, I'm very impressed you did two hours. I think that's that's pretty impressive. But obviously, uh, you you clearly understand the benefits of your mind and, and, and your body. And I find I find for me, it's without going for that walk, I just... Yeah, I just not my not myself and um, not prepared for 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 a good day. And and also think a part of having, you know, and and ha- getting the most out of the day is recognizing when you need to take a moment as well. Like yesterday, I um I had a, a kind of quite a busy day planned, but by about one o'clock I felt really quite mentally exhausted and I've had a really busy couple of weeks. So I took a the, the afternoon, I said, look, I need to have like a mental health afternoon. I need to, I need to actually have some self-care time. I went to the gym. I, you know, did some reading. I tried to switch off. I put my phone down and it kind of really helped kind of recuperate. So, so much of it is, yeah, recognizing, not just having the good habits, but recognizing and putting the brakes on early when you're, when you're realizing you don't feel as good as, as, as you could or should. How's those conversations going though? Because we're, we're still not at that stage. And I know in your book, Better Day, you talk about the wellness sports day, which you'd love to have. We'll come to that in a bit. How are those conversations going that we're saying, actually, my mental health needs to come first. Therefore, I have to switch off. Because with work, we know you'll do the work at some point. We all know, you know, especially working from home post-COVID, we know we will get the work done in our own time. But to switch off and actually to physically say, I'm going to read a book, surely someone goes, what do you mean you're going to read a book? No, you're not. You're doing your work. You're being paid to do your work. You, you're not reading a book. Who do you think you are? Well, it's interesting because um, 
there was um, research done, a, a study done by the, a Royal College of Emergency Medicine recently, and they looked into staff sickness and how many what, how many people called in with mental illness as the reason for needing to be off off sick. And it was a tiny percentage versus like DMV, for example. When they then surveyed people, they found that actually people would say it was DMV when they actually were struggling with severe anxiety or they felt burnt out or so on. And and it's not a surprise. I think a lot of people can attest to that. It's like it's easier to say of a physical issue than a mental one because people find it less tangible. They don't they think, oh, well, what do you mean? Like, can't you just come on, just come in? Like, don't worry, we'll you know take it easy today or something and work. But actually, you need to take that time. And, and I think part of it's creating those boundaries. It's it's having the conversation in a way that, look, you know, I don't feel, I mentally feel unwell today. I don't feel fit to work. I need to have today to recover and to get myself back to a place that I'm effective and, and I'm, I'm able to do my work. Because ultimately, you know, if I continue in this way, then I'm going to be even worse situation. I have to take even more time off. And I think it's um, I think it's for, down to all of us really to to start really realizing that you know mental health is equal to physical health. It's not below or behind or second rate versus your physical health, and and actually ultimately it's all intertwined anyway. You know you can't have really bad mental health or very unusual to have very bad mental health and have great physical health and vice versa. So you know I, to me you know that's why I posted on Instagram yesterday. I said look you know. I'm just saying I'm taking the afternoon off because of my mental health. And I'm saying it because I don't want other people to be ashamed if they need to do the same. Like, don't don't feel that you can't say that. But in the workplace, most companies now have a human resources and HR department. Mm. And they deal with what's right and what's wrong. We know that. We know what, what is allowed and what isn't allowed. But with mental health, do you think we're advanced enough to have those conversations, to be able to say, mentally, I'm struggling with this. Let's say you're going through a job change or there's a bit of uncertainty and you need that clarification because that anxiety is coming to you and you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know who to turn to because I don't want to look like I'm weak. And also, I don't want to showcase my mental health because there's still a stigma around that. Yeah, well, I think the, the transparency of conversation is the only way that it will change, to be honest. Um, uh, but in terms of in terms of the workplace, and if I was looking at a, a team you know you're you're it's an awareness that actually having people that if you, you know if you hide problems and you keep it quiet they get worse and worse and eventually they rear their heads i mean it's why very sadly with men we see you know men are more, nine times more likely to save their own lives um we know that we lose actually around two doctors a week in the uk to to suicide for example and so many of these cases that they never tell anyone because they feel afraid they feel stigmatized but actually if you are an employer and you have a workforce you want to be able to reckon want people to come to you early and be open about things so you can rectify them because it might well be that actually what's needed is a conversation around right how do we manage the workload or 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 do we look at you know what is it a home that's going on can we make it might be the simple changes and adjustments or even just a recognition of an issue that 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 can make all the difference in terms of that person and and prevent it in the situation where they either quit their job or they're off work for a long time or or whatever but you know sometimes people if you're burnt out you're burnt out and sometimes you do actually just need time to to recover the same as if you had a, a physical illness like a flu or virus or whatever you need time to recover to be effective again so yeah i think it's it's a two-way thing i think the conversation has to come both ways i think hr departments you know it's not just for them it's, it's for for all all workplace employees realizing that actually 
if we had more focus on people's mental health, had a more open environment, we focus on prevention of illness. So try to have an, uh, environments that are conducive with good mental health, having programs and um, you know activities that are that are helpful, building uh, resilience. All of these things can make a difference. If you look at the economy last year, um, the cost of the economy of mental Ill illness was 90 billion last year, 90 billion pounds. So it's a hugely expensive thing and um if we if we can do a bit more do better at a preventing it but also um dealing with it in the right ways when problems rear themselves we can prevent not just a huge you know moral issue occurring or, or like an element of you know this could have been stopped how do we prevent suffering but also we can um hopefully prevent some of the economic damage as well a hundred percent and that and what, what you were saying about burnout as well is also give your chance give yourselves a chance to go on holiday and actually disconnect from work i think again post-pandemic everyone's got access to their mobile phones is that oh it's easy to send a quick whatsapp but it's what that whatsapp does that it takes you back to that other place and the reason why our mental health are so bad is because we're not switching off because we're on it 24 7 now yeah no absolutely and it's very difficult because yeah that whatsapp or that question triggers you into a time where you were where you were kind of back into the stressful zone doesn't it so easily flicks you back into that into that mindset i think that's where the element of boundaries become so so important so i commonly hear people saying oh but i I'm, I'm so busy do i have time to gym or do i have time to go for the walk or i don't know if i have time for self-care and i'm like that therein lies the issue that mindset of thinking that way where your work takes your priority of your entire life versus your own health is the entire issue. I mean, even if you have that thing or that actually my life is my work, that is the most important thing in my life. Uh, and I think actually when most people sit down and ask themselves honest questions, that most people will find that that isn't the most important thing. But if it is the most important thing, then you'll also agree that to be effective in your work, your studies, your university, your school, it's investing in your own mental health and physical health that allows you to do that. We know, for example, at school, children that are generally happy and healthy are more likely to stay in school. They're less likely to abstain from school. They're uh, more likely to be successful in their academia and be class behaviours like likely to be better. So, you know, it makes sense that by changing the focus and realising that, no, your work doesn't come first everything comes second that actually find better balance and you're better at work and i think you know, in the past there used to be badges of honor like you work you know you sleep when you're dead and you should be working oh my god you you know how dare you go leave your desk can't you know five minutes early from the finish time you should be there an hour late and working hard i mean that those things are slowly changing there's still a bit of that kind of i don't know it's like a, it appears macho to 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 work every hour under the sun but i think people are beginning to realize that actually that's not really a sign of uh, of strength and, and a lot of people that are uh, most successful in life have a better balance and, and are aware of how important that things like self-care actually are so that's the boundaries in the workplace what about the boundaries you put around relationships and friends what are your do's and don'ts because i think it's very easy to get hurt you know I, i'm of that mindset of if you've annoyed me, kind of, you'll be deleted and blocked on Instagram. I'll unblock you six months later. We'll be back in that vicious circle again. And those boundaries yeah. keep changing. Yeah. What boundaries do you put around your friends? I generally have a rule of people in my life where I think, you know, I people, I generally think that people need, they're in my life. I'd want them to have a positive influence on my life. And I think if they draw away and the negative on my happiness or my health, then then I, I take a serious consideration whether that friendship or that situation needs to be reframed um, or we need to address why that's happening or whether actually you need to cut ties. Because I think one of the biggest things I've learned as I'm going to my I'm 31 now, I'm 32 in February. I've learned so much about like 
you make choices as you go through life about who you want to surround yourself with and i think that idea of like you're the sum of the people that surround you is actually pretty pretty true and um, the people you spend your time with you'll share very similar opinions with them um you'll do the similar activities like if you're not happy that you're spending too much time at the pub if you're hanging out with people who just want to go to the pub you're going to end up at the pub and that sounds really obvious but i think we sometimes forget that if you want to change and you're not happy with how you feel then you need to make changes in 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 your life to to see a result or see that um changing and i think you're it's not just habits in terms of going for walk and exercising and sleep and all that kind of thing it is actually about how you spend your time and who you spend it with and as i said i've definitely made decisions as i've got older about how i want to how i see my life being you know and, I, and what what is it that i want out of my friendships and, and people around me it's definitely something i reflected more and more uh, on and, and you know i want people that that i can trust that are people that are, are, are kind that you know there's a two-way exchange of caring and, and energy and i think having that circle is it's so imperative if you want to have good mental health to make sure you have good people around you it, it makes sense but often we we forget that it's very interesting you say that because I'm two weeks into being 30 and I think the 20s decade is very much about making some mistakes, having some lessons, trying to work out who you are. And I definitely feel, even though it's been two weeks and obviously you're a year... Happy birthday. Further, <laughs> um, you're a year further down the line with me of kind of going, well, we've done those experiences in our 20s. We've got this basically massive, I don't know, pinboard, mind map, whatever you want to call it, of experiences, lessons. Now we can choose what we want to take from them. And now go, right, how are we going to settle into our 30s? What do you want the rest of your life to actually look like based on what you now know? Yeah, I think it is that time, isn't it, where you kind of reflect on different things and change. I mean, you know, Einstein's theory of madness is repeating the same thing and expecting a different result. And um, um, I think you, you, you know, at any time, it doesn't have to even be in your, as you enter your 30s, but I think just t- self-awareness and realizing, like, where am I? Am I, do I feel happy with, you know, the, where my life is going or what's happening and, and what do I do to change that if I'm not and you can't solve a problem if you don't know what the issue is and I think that's why I always say to people first step with anything around your health or your happiness or your life is thinking about what what is it that what what do I feel at the moment am I happy am I content if not then using that as your starting point and um, so many people go I uh, don't feel great let's just let's go and exercise or whatever it's like okay but like what what is it that makes me feel this way like what is going on what decisions do I need to make in my life to to start making that change is it around my workplace is it having conversation with work is it the friendship group is it having a conversation in, with myself about the decisions I make that I'm going out drinking three nights a week and I wonder why I feel bad all week you know it's it's that self-reflection and awareness and I think as you get older you definitely I think you think about those things a bit more, but there's no reason why people can't, you know, in their teens and 20s. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think also turning 30, and for me, and just because I'm very much in this mindset and obviously the same as you, it was such a big milestone of when we were 16, we kind of thought by 30, we would be married, we would have kids, we'd have our jobs sorted for life. We have so much money in the bank account. And we look at all these 30 hours on TV shows, like a made in Chelsea, and we're like, they're all set. And you're like... I'm not like that. And I think um, it's changing that mindset and working out what your purpose is and what your role is that you're playing in the world, what the role you're playing with multiple friends, and what purpose do you want to be externally given as well as internally given? Yeah, I think think also it's always 
I think I've, one of the biggest things I've learned is that everyone has their issues. There's no one that um, there's no one whether on TV and they appear like perfect life or Instagram, whatever. I, I, I have not yet met someone who has no issues or something doesn't happen. You know, you might have had a easy run in life and you never know what you're going to face, what's going to kind of pop up. I saw very sadly that BBC presenter who's been diagnosed with terminal cancer and has got a young family. And you just kind of think, wow, like, you know, you think, to such a successful career on TV, doing so fantastically, and all of a sudden something pops up and, you know, you've got been given a few months to live and you've got a wife and young family. You just don't know what's around the corner. And I think that's worth bearing in mind whenever you're critical on yourself and everyone's so hard on themselves to say, oh, you want to, you know, be the most successful. I want to, you know, have life sorted, have the kids, the money, all this kind of thing. I mean, don't be so hard on yourself. I think it's, you know, like focus on goals that are much more day-to-day and tangible, like, get joy out of things like, you know, celebrate the victory of going for a walk in the morning or, you know, making it through the door in the gym. It doesn't have to be, or I benched a hundred kilos or something silly like that. It can be like, I physically went to the gym today. I'm proud of that. You know, celebrate the small victories in the workplace. And um, I think, you know, sometimes we, it's good to aim high. It's good to push yourself and have goals and big aspirations, but don't forget the kind of little things along the way, because a lot of the time, those are the things that genuinely give you joy each day is, 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 you know, when I go, go for a walk, it's kind of like, Oh, like it's, you know, it's, it's nice to be you know, around trees or like look at the leaves and it's autumn and, you know, I'm out with a dog and I'm just like enjoying having his company and you know, on a little walk and stuff. And I think, when you can learn to appreciate things like that, you, you realize that sometimes all those kind of shiny aspirations aren't, aren't as important as they seem. Well, it, you lead me very nicely back to your book, Better Day, because you give an amazing analogy about what happened in your chemistry class and when you were at school and how you changed that mindset and how it is those small victories and not it's the end of the world, as uh, one would think. Do you, can you go through what happened when you didn't do your homework? I was a huge warrior. I always have been, actually. And I uh, I had uh, basically uh, one day gone into my chemistry class, um, and I was sat, I was by my best friend, Adam, who's uh, who's actually a dentist now. And um, we, we stood there, and I remember the teacher, Mr. Evans, very well. as was a great great guy and but but also could be quite strict and um and he said can you hand in can you, on your way out can you drop your homework um at the front desk and I thought oh my god like I haven't done it and and that to me has always been my worst nightmare forgetting to do something I I it was like the it's that feeling of like you you feel the blood draining out of your face you think you're going to like collapse through the floor the world's going to swallow you up it feels in that moment and I'm pretty sure most people can can remember a moment like that we think oh my gosh just swallow me up this is awful and I had to kind of go to him and say like oh my gosh I'm so sorry I, I I've forgotten and I and I think he could see that I I had punished myself more than or was more upset than anything that he needed to say to me and he kind of was like can you do it by tomorrow and you know drop it into me and and uh, and I said yes of course I'll do it you know straight away and I walked out of that room and it's that feeling of like wow my biggest fear in the world wasn't so bad I'm not suggesting to people who are at school or uni or whatever not to do your work and homework and assessments and stuff but it's realizing sometimes the worst case scenario isn't so bad as it as it, as it seems and not to be so afraid of things like failure or getting things wrong or making mistakes because we're all going to make them to be human is to make mistakes um i've made many i continue to make mistakes uh, this things obviously reflect i think oh gosh did i what should i have done there should I have done that differently and 
that's that is that's life you know no one's perfect we're all um perfectly imperfect in that sense uh, and you know give yourself a bit of a break i think what's sad in life sometimes is that people um uh, people um basically allow fear of failure or fear of making mistakes or getting things wrong from preventing them doing the things they love or pushing themselves or testing their capabilities. And, and that's a shame because people have so much potential, but if you're constantly so afraid you're going to get something wrong or make a mistake, you're never going to find the, the boundaries of that or see what you could have achieved. And I think as I've grown up, one of the things that I've learned, I certainly wouldn't have believed it when I was that age, you know, at school uh, with my um, lack of chemistry homework um, that I would push boundaries as much as I do now like I do try and go for things try things not be as afraid of a failure you know I, I used to hate public speaking and by public speaking I mean even standing up in class and having to I don't know present my work was like the worst that was the worst case scenario that was horrendous and um and now you know I'm quite happily will you know obviously I get nervous like everyone else does but I can go and do uh, public speaking or talks or speak to large groups of, of people it, it's not a problem um so much anymore but you know i only have got to that level because i pushed through that fear and the, through those nerves otherwise you, you'll never find out if you can do it so much to digress alex so much to digress in that being perfect i think is something that i personally life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if ai could fold your laundry and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
you always think, oh, you've got to be perfect. You know, you've got to be the perfect person. You've got to extrovertly give out to this everyone that you're this amazing, amazing person and you do all the right things because you don't want to make mistakes. And I think a lot of people are like that. But where does that stem from? Why do we think we need to be perfect? And I think also, if it's okay to bring in Love Island really quickly, this is that Love Island image, you know, the Love Island body that you had to have. I know that you had your pressures to have that perfect body. I remember listening to an amazing interview you did with Fern Cotton on Happy Place a couple of years ago about the weight loss you did for getting on Love Island. But even being on Love Island and post-Love Island, obviously you've gone down a different trajectory, but there's still very much the Love Island image that you're the good-looking person. You go on, you find love, you're in this happy relationship, you get all these thousand brand deals, you get onto celebs go dating after. You know, there's a big journey that a love island star is supposed to go on and that's supposed to be the perfect way and if you don't go on that or let's say you enter in casa more then you've not lived the perfect life and i think this whole idea of perfection is something again is a conversation that we need to keep talking about and keep pushing those boundaries back from uh reality tv all through just social media i think you see a lot of kind of what people think is perfection whether that's physically or in lifestyle interestingly i mean the conversation has been had quite often around um around body image and so on but actually it's also in terms of like careers and so on i had a consultant said to me the other day a, a, a psychiatric consultant who said that she finds it really hard because on social media she follows other consultants and stuff in her field and they're publishing all these papers and going to all these talks and doing all these different things and she's feeling a sense of like oh gosh i'm not doing as much as them i'm not as successful this kind of thing so i think we're slightly mistaken to think it's just you know teenage girls or boys that look at these things and feel a sense of um, judgment or whatever because you know if you're a parent you're 40 you might be comparing to other families what holidays are they going on doing how are their kids doing what are the children achieving at school or in the sports field or whatever you know in the past you know as we were growing up you didn't really have that as much because social media was only emerging uh, and but that's a completely different world now so that comparison is a huge thing and you know people say comparison is the thief of joy and i think that's absolutely right i mean if you can focus on your own life and what you do and the joy that you get and the victories that you have regardless of how they compare to others you're on the road to a much happier life if you're constantly going oh well i did this but that person's done that that and that you're going to spend your whole time not focusing on what you've done and, and how much you appreciate what you're experiencing and doing you're going to spend your whole time thinking oh that's annoying they're doing so well you get that jealousy kind of trap and cycle and i think you know when you watch things like love island and other shows i think for anyone watching it's always just questioning like you know does is that person really going to be definitely happy because they're what they're doing you know what is the definition of success is that life as good as it seems i think there's always pros and cons to every scenario and you know I, I'm quite a big believer in kind of the yin and yang and and you know with good things comes bad things as well with my following it's been fantastic that I can do all the things that I, I love and I've been able to chase some of the dreams that I have if you like but equally you, there's plenty of negative sides as well you know you feel a huge sense of responsibility the judgment is much bigger you don't have privacy you have all those kind of negative sides of it as well so I think it's also questioning you know when you see someone's life and you think oh you know that's so brilliant it's going well is it like do, do I know what's really going on there what's actually happening uh, behind uh, all of that and yeah then remembering to switch off you know I'd say the biggest tips I'd give to people on social media is a, have a screen time blocker, so don't spend, you know, ridiculous amount of time on your phone because it really encourages you to have a screen block. 
helps you kind of go right put the phone down now that's enough and secondly really think about who you're following you know don't follow accounts that make you feel bad or sad or angry what's the point in doing that you know if you can spend time on social media you might as well learn something or feel good or laugh or feel connected so follow accounts that do some of the positive sides and things that are negative either meet them if you know the people and you don't want to have that awkwardness or unfollow them you know, don't fight, it's not, you know, you should, everyone should have a social media kind of feed cleanse every now and then and go through who they're following and go, do you know what? I like following you a year or so ago, but actually you trigger me now because of this. And it doesn't have to be they're doing anything wrong. You could be unfollowing people that are great people that do good things, but if they trigger you, then 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 you don't need it. It doesn't matter. You just unfollow them. They don't have to be bad people to unfollow them. I completely agree with you and I do that. I generally do do that. And I, I'm, I limit how many people I follow. And it's very interesting because there's now all these apps who say who unfollowed everyone and people get really offended. I got one the other day and they said, why have you unfollowed me? And I couldn't say this was the reason why, because you were boring or because I just felt you were too much on my feet. And it almost is a sense of it ruins friendships that we think friendships are made purely because you follow each other. And it really yeah. does. People are following yeah. you because they like, your content and i know that if you do get unfollowed then you think oh there's an insecurity that you're going to get unfollowed and you think oh my god i need to put more content out social media is horrifically dangerous but you've used it for your good and as you just said but having good days and bad days i saw on tiktok a couple of days ago that you put out that you've got adhd and it's something we've done a couple of times on this podcast with sophie brown from married at first sight recently sam prince made in chelsea recently there's a lot of celebrities in the reality world especially have come out to say they've got adhd how are you finding your position, your purpose in the world now, now that you've got almost this label? And talk to me about the whole journey. I think for many years, I felt that I've been quite different to other people around me. I've learned in different ways, I've interacted in different ways. I found that my concentration has been different in certain ways has been a huge strength as other scenarios has been a weakness. And I think for me, I have kind of been putting off for many years. I don't know why, really. I kind of decided recently, I did... um uh, a Stompcast episode with Todd T and um, he's been diagnosed ADHD and I mean I related to him so much and I thought right I'm going to get assessed and and yeah I had I was told it was I was pretty bound or in that sense of having uh, ADHD and, and now that I've kind of learned that I've had it I've had that kind of real kind of experience of, of, of discovering or understanding myself so much more like there's things that I didn't even attribute to ADHD for example having a propensity to drink a lot of caffeine so people get confused sometimes they go well, why would someone with ADHD be given a stimulant which is what Ritalin is if there's someone that's perceived to be hyperactive and actually there's a big misconception because actually less than 10% of people actually have external hyperactivity as a, as a genuine symptom of ADHD but anyway there's a lot of like well why would you give a stimulant to them well what Ritalin does it stimulates the prefrontal cortex so stimulates part of the brain that then regulates the rest of it and induces calm so actually what it does is it helps balance out dopamine within the brain and helps actually induce a sense of calm rather than making someone really hyperactive so caffeine has a similar effect but to a lesser extent as ritalin so i've been drinking caffeine like a <laughs> like just guzzling the stuff for many years and uh and i've i'm actually when i reflected i thought well do you know what's true so when i drink caffeine i don't feel hyperactive or hyper awake i just feel calm so it makes a lot of sense. Things like that. With ADHD, you have this hyper focus. So you can really focus on things for a short period of time, but you can't kind of carry on for hours with that. So you kind of flick your attention, think, well, some of the decisions I've made, I decided to work in A&E. Why? Maybe it's because it did suit my ADHD. Maybe with a, in the subconscious sense, I made a choice 
that, that that work best for me because I can go from patient to patient to patient, run around in the kind of chaotic environment that A and E is, and actually that really really suits me with ADHD. Whereas if I was operating for eight hours at a time in theatre, that would be far from ideal. So yeah, it's it's kind of it's good and bad sides. I think part of it is looking back and thinking why am I thirty one only now that I understand you know things are hard enough in life and in education they could have been easier. You know if I'd have understood, I could have learned differently. I could have changed and adapted early to the way that I approach work and I think people around me could as well and so much of I've realized my friends and family and people that work with me and for me I think they they find it useful just understanding because they also understand why I behave or like why I approach work in a certain way or you know why I am who I am. How easy was it to get that diagnosis because they I've done courses in ADHD and one of the things that always pops up is ADHD is really hard to define and to diagnose when you are an adult because it's supposed to be only in children. Firstly, how was that? And then second of all to that is how easy was it for you to open up that conversation? Because it's not just interviews of you, it's interviews of people around you, your parents, um, looking at your work. And see, someone like me who always thought, oh, I might have ADHD, it, it puts me off having those conversations to go, right, mum, dad, we need to sit down and have this conversation you're going to be asked about these things. I don't really actually want to know what the answers are. And then thirdly to that, I suppose, is also what then happens because you're paying a lot of money to get these diagnoses and have these assessments. And you're like, well, is the money really worth it? Does it make a difference if I actually know that I've got ADHD or if I just think it? Yeah, well, I think um, in terms of the family side, so um, uh, uh, it depends. It should be the same process, but I, I had to go private because, quite frankly, the waiting list in London was was years. So there was, the, the, you know, it was now or never for me. In a sense, I was kind of felt mentally prepared, and I, I'm fortunate enough to be able to do it. It was there was kind of something like eight hundred pounds or more to have the assessment. So um, I decided to, to to go ahead and do it. Yeah, they speak with parents, uh, f- uh, friends as well. In my case all sorts of questionnaires and things you fill in as well as long interviews with myself and and so on so it's quite a process and it's a neurodevelopmental expert that does the diagnosis because it is it's a lifelong a diagnosis that you carry uh, with that so it has to be done by someone that's very very sure I think this idea that you get handed out a diagnosis um, just simply isn't true certainly not in this country it's very very and they're very rigid and if anything probably erring on the other side of, of things if, if anything at all and then i guess the question about why does it matter well the reason it matters is because you understand yourself you know that people for some reason mix uh, mental illness with neurodevelopment and um, they are there is a clear link and correlation between the two but that's probably because of people's experiences who have neurodevelopmental disorders their experiences being that they're more likely in life and more likely to um you know experience uh, uh, anxiety or depression or or whatever as a result of kind of living with what they live with but you know fundamentally there is a difference in how the brain is built so again with adhd uh, so um the label i think it's quite poor because there isn't a deficit deficit of attention it's actually a difference of attention Uh, and really your definition of a disorder depends on your definition of order so it is a kind of a silly diagnosis in terms of name i think but in in sense you know you you have this depletion of dopamine in in the brain so dopamine being your reward you kind of reward hormone you know whether neurotransmitter whether you eat uh, chocolate or you go for a run or you chat to a friend or you hug someone that feeling of reward that you get is all or that kind of good feeling of i've completed something is from dopamine you know you also can get um, a boost of dopamine from things like drugs and so on and, and 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 that's obviously a separate conversation but yeah in terms of adhd you have that depletion of uh, of dopamine and, and in particular 
and the down regulation of your prefrontal cortex, which helps regulate the frontal lobe and so on, which helps you essentially regulate uh, things like focus, attention, and so on. So why does it matter? Well, because I think understanding allows you to adapt. A, either if you, if you did need the medication, things like Ritalin can change people's lives because you can actually help regulate the dopamine level and so on. I decided not to because I don't feel for me that I want to change how I am and, and how how I interpret the world and how I am as a person. But I do think that by understanding it allows me to make other changes and, and even stuff like, I mean, the caffeine, I mean, so much more sense. I kind of always was really like, oh, God, I drink too much coffee, drink, drink too much coffee. But I understand that actually, for me, it really does help with things. And I also think the other part of it is, well, I beat myself up less. So rather than constantly trying to conform and do things the way that I feel that neurotypical people would or other people would do I do it the way that I want to and I don't do it with any shame it's hard to some of it's intangible and I do think that there is a negative side to knowing in what some ways because I think you have to do a lot of reflection and you or you look back and go oh gosh that could be different but to me you know I've been a couple of months on the line I'm, I'm glad I know and and I I'm going to continue to keep learning about it and understanding and and I'll hopefully harness it as a strength well, you're going to be reflecting on a mental health condition you've been diagnosed. A lot of people will be in this time reflecting now as we come to the end of the year. We know Christmas can be really hard for a lot of people. What is your advice to those who are reflecting, those who do feel that little bit of isolation? You know, we're coming up to a month to Christmas Day, a month nearly to New Year's Day, and everyone's going to be thinking, oh, what my Christmas plans? Oh, what my New Year's plans? I've got no plans. What do I do? There's a lot of insecurities, a lot of isolation that will come out of this. What's your advice to those who are going through the Christmas period with a bit of understanding? Yeah, I think it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really important thing that you raise because I think we often talk about Christmas as like a time of connection, but some people feel very isolated and alone. And I've seen that and experienced that in the hospital, not just actually as someone's had to work and be away from family on Christmas, but also seeing the patients and seeing you know people that have come in through our doors who are unwell, who have nobody around them. So uh, some of the things I would say for comparison is a thief of joy. Try in the days running up to Christmas and especially on Christmas Day, put your phone down and be in the present, whether you celebrate Christmas or not, focus on what you're doing in those days. Be kind to yourself over the Christmas period. It's often a time we overconsume, not just in alcohol, but in terms of foods, heavy foods, saturated foods, processed foods. And, you know, often we, we kind of go, oh, I wonder if I, if I feel so bad running up to New Year's or after New Year's. And it's because often we just kind of go from eating generally sensibly, moving and exercising to just overindulging in food, not moving and drinking too much alcohol. So just think about if you're someone that thinks, do you know what, Christmas can be quite a hard time for me. Just really be self-aware about what you're doing with some of those kind of more harmful uh, coping mechanisms. Look at ways to be kind to others around Christmas time. One of the best ways, if you feel or you're worried you can be lonely or isolated, can you go and volunteer at a local food bank? Could you go and support a homeless shelter? Is there something you could do you know, in your local community? Could you go and help out a Christmas fair? Um, you know, Are there family relatives that you haven't spoken to for a long time or an elderly person or an elderly neighbour that you could go and sit in with or support? There's, there's always opportunities. When we feel lonely, there are opportunities around us everywhere that we could actually feel more connected. But there is a step that we have to take to go, do you know what? I'm going to put myself out there and do it. And sometimes that's difficult. And it's an important point when it comes to self-care. You know, we sometimes make self-care sound really fluffy and whatever. But actually, when you're feeling really lonely and sad, one of the hardest things you to ever try and do could be to walk out of the house and go and do something. So 
you know, often these things are difficult. Sometimes things that are good for us are scary. Sometimes things that are good for us do appear to be uh, really challenging, but they can be things that are important and, and, and get us through. And yeah, just think about, and if you're someone thinking, do you know what, I've got a family that I'm spending Christmas with, think about people that might be alone around you. Are there friends that don't have that same support network that you do, that you could reach out to, that you could make effort with? Because being kind to other people is a sure way to be kind to yourself as well. Well, that's Christmas and that's that time period. But let's go back to this week that the podcast is going out on because it's Road Safety Week this week. And you're working with Glasses Direct in partnership with Transitions, who have done a study of 2,000 UK drivers. Tell me all about the research, my friend. I'm, I'm a massive car fanatic. I love cars. I love driving. I love motorbikes. I love being out on the road. There's something about transport that especially like you know driving and taking yourself somewhere it's just something really amazing about it but you know we need to think about road safety and you know, i've worked in a &E, i've seen the kind of sharp end of car accidents and so on we need to think about things that we can prevent well the research that glass direct have done shown that in the last 10 years there's been over thirty-three thousand casualties as a result of sun dazzle being a significant contributing factor that's thirty-three thousand. is that's so many it's like a football stadium of people and you think well this is something surely that we can help prevent and some of the research and some of the things we found is that people are not up to one in five people are not having their eyes tested within the two every two year period so within every two years you should have the eyes tested so people are not getting eyes tested uh, regularly enough so please be careful with that because clearly your vision is very important for driving uh, and then in terms of sun dazzle um we are, there's often a lot of misconceptions that you know sunglasses are just for summertime when actually you know going into the winter months that we're in now um you get a low hanging sun um actually sun dazzle could be even worse because you can have wet roads or icy roads with sun peeking through especially around sunset time that causing that dazzle so sunglasses are still really important if you're someone with prescriptions make sure an eye prescription make sure that sunglasses are there for prescription sunglasses correct for you and also that they're designed to be used i use transitions driveway lenses so they adapt to very cleverly adapt to the levels of sunlight so they change their color and the amount of light that comes through depending on the the light so if it becomes very bright all of a sudden they'll darken to prevent that dazzle and they have polarized as well to help with dazzle and so on so yeah use you know use tech to your advantage Think about times of day. If you're going to travel, could you make that journey slightly later, earlier, avoiding that sunrise, that sunset time that we know that's dangerous and just making sure, yeah, you have those sunglasses uh, to hand because there's nothing worse when you have an accident or something happens you go okay that could actually have been preventable you know that's 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 awful especially especially when the sharp end of this is, is death isn't it that's the that's the worst case scenario we're talking about here is you know causing serious injury or, or death there's a lot of information you just gave there. People want to read about it online and really go through the specifics. Where can they go? Yes, you can head to uh, glassesdirect.co.uk and um, the full studies there. It's really interesting, actually, when you kind of looked at some of the breakdowns of, of some of the behaviours and so on. Yeah, you can have a look at look at the, the survey there, find out more information and just, yeah, just please be, you know, just be aware of it. Just have it in, in your mind. It is something that if we can prevent people having accidents because of sun dazzle, then, I mean, let's let's do what we can. George, a massive thanks to Glasses Direct in partnership transitions for setting up this interview. If you love Love Island and you love Dr. Alex, so many Love Island stars, about 100 have been on Security and Security in the past, including recently people like Amber Rose Gill, Shauna Phillips, Danica Taylor, 
Faye Winter, Joshua Grove, Billy Brown, Coco Lodge, Uwande, and many, many more. You've been listening to Security and Security with me, Johnny. So if you like what you heard, please do go and rate the podcast. Give it a five-star rating on Spotify and on iTunes. Leave a review as well as that star rating. And share it on your Instagram, TikTok channels, Twitter. Let's keep spreading the word. It's okay to not be okay. As we come up to Christmas and we start reflecting, let's think about our mental health as much as we reflect on everything else. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Johnny Seifert. Until next time, thank you and goodbye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.